Greetings in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, coming to you from the New Testament Church of God, Harvest Temple, Wolverhampton in the United Kingdom. I am Bishop Reuben King and I trust that by God's grace, you are well. This is a wonderful opportunity to celebrate our God, to celebrate salvation through Jesus Christ and to share fellowship together on this platform. We ought to give God thanks right now for his blessing, for his preserving power, for his peace, for his wisdom and for strength for today and hope. Thank you for taking time out to join us today. We really do appreciate that and trust that as we journey throughout this broadcast, you will be greatly blessed. Before we move forward, I want to, by way of announcement, just uh, say to us that next Sunday, we will be celebrating communion. The death, the burial, the resurrection and the ascension, and also the coming, the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to ask kindly that we have our emblems ready wherever you are at home or wherever you'll be watching the broadcast please prepare and have your emblems um, ready for next week and we look forward to that amen so now we're going to celebrate our god by singing together Yeah. 
yes you are, yes you are, yes you are. So good, so good. So good, so good. Yes you are, yes you are, yes you are. So good, so good, so good. Say you are good. Hosea in the Old Testament chapter 10 verse 12 and it reads sow for yourselves righteousness reap in mercy break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you indeed it is time to seek the Lord. Let us pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ on this day. We thank you for this opportunity to approach your throne by grace in boldness to obtain, Lord, what we need this very present moment. And you're never tired of hearing us. And Lord, we thank you for this relationship, this wonderful relationship that we have with you. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you care for us. We thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. We thank you that even now we can sense your presence around us, Lord. And we thank you that, Lord, that even when we don't feel you 
and it's difficult to sense you. When we look back through our lives, Lord, we can see evidence of your grace. We can see traces of your mercy. We can see that you have preserved and kept us. We can see that you've opened doors. We see that you have made a way in the wilderness. We see, O oh God, that you have caused rivers to spring forth in the desert places of our lives. And for that, Lord, we are thankful. We are grateful. We praise you. We glorify your name, God, for all the mighty deeds that you have done for us. And of course, we praise you for who you are, the almighty King, your eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. And so it is time to seek you in these critical days in which we are living. It is time to seek you. It is time to sow, Lord, in righteousness. And we do that by glorifying you. We do that by living righteously before you. We do that by honoring you, not just with our words, but in our, with our deeds, O oh God. We do that by taking care of our neighbor, by loving our neighbor as ourselves. It's time to seek you. It's time to sow seeds of righteousness and to reap mercy because we are in need of your mercy in this time. And so, God, I commit to you, our nation, our prime minister, the cabinet ministers, and ask, oh God, as we sow seeds of righteousness on their behalf, that they will reap mercy and that they will know it is time to seek you, Lord. This is the time to seek you. Father, that they will do righteous acts, make righteous decisions in the name of Jesus. We pray for our, our local government, the city of Wolverhampton, and all those, Lord, who sit to lead this city, we pray and lift them up before you today and pray that you would endow them with wisdom from above, your godly wisdom, O oh God, to direct the affairs of our city in this critical and crucial time. We thank you, O oh God. We lift up our church before you, our church leadership, and thank you for your blessing and guidance, Lord, on our national bishop, on our district bishop, on our local pastors, and the members and friends of our churches. Lord, we are aware that there are many in our church or who are part of our church and our community who are going through times of bereavement, even from last year, but in recent times. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that your peace, that passes all understanding, will undergird them, Lord, their spirit, their soul, their body, that you will supply strength to every joint, O oh God, every fiber of their being, in the name of Jesus. You'll comfort them, O oh God, and uphold them and give them hope. We pray for those who are sick. Father, for your healing touch, we pray for complete and swift restoration for those who are suffering, Lord. And we pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that those who are bound with infirmities right now, 
as they reach out in faith, as they are listening to this prayer and join together in faith, they will be loosed right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for deliverance. Full, complete, and swift in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the furtherance of this service, that as we participate, as we listen, we will be uplifted. Help us in this time, God, to keep our hearts and minds focused on you. Let us keep your word before us. There's so much that's been said. Lord, so many voices, but the most important voice to hear in this time is your word, your holy scripture. And may we be led by your spirit and may we obey your commands and in doing so, show our love towards you. Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise. We glorify you. You are the most exalted God, exalted above every other God. And to you we give honor and glory and praise. Dominion and majesty belongs to you. We give you thanks in advance for the answer to our prayers, for our individual and collective breakthroughs. We glorify your God. In you we triumph. In you we overcome. In you indeed we are blessed and kept. So Lord, we bless you. We praise you. We say hallelujah to your great name. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our soon returning King. Amen. i
Good morning, church. Good morning, friends. Good morning, family. It is a pleasure to be delivering the word today. Hopefully, you have enjoyed the podcast so far. If this message had a title, it would be Fixed on Jesus. Fixed on Jesus. I'm going to be looking at a story from three passages, from Matthew 14, from Mark 6, and John 6. So Matthew 14, Mark 6, and John 6. And I chose this passage because it speaks to me during this time. There are a lot of noise, whether you read the newspapers, watch the news, or on social media, even having conversations with people in supermarkets or over the phone with friends. There are a lot of noise, a lot of rumours, a lot of questions. There is a lot of uncertainty during this time. Now, this isn't new. Our life has been full of uncertainty. The world is full of uncertainty. History has been full of uncertainty. But as Christians, we have to be very careful what we give our attention to. What we give our attention to, what we invest our time in, influences us. We have to be careful to guide and to guard our minds. Make sure our minds are protected from lies and and disinformation. This passage stuck out to me, and this is a passage I've chosen. There are plenty of passages we could have looked at, but this passages in particular stood out to me the moment I I had the time to speak. And it's a well-known passage from the Bible. It's the the account of Jesus walking on water. And, And what does walking on water have to do with uncertain times? And obviously we'll go into that shortly. But just before we get into the story of him walking on water, we have to bear in mind what's just happened. And in the canon of scripture, we find that John the Baptist had just been murdered. And then Jesus had gone and he'd fed the thousands. So we come off an emotional time for Jesus, but we also come from a time of victory, a time where miracles has has taken place and plenty of people would have seen the glory and and the um, the power that is of Jesus. So the disciples were instructed to go to the other side of the sea. And Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. The Bible says that he prayed until evening. And the text says that around about the the fourth watch, which is around 3 to 6 a.m. in the morning, the disciples were in the boat and they were still at sea. They were about three to four miles or so away from land and they were struggling. They were struggling with the wind at sea. They were struggling with the waves. They were finding themselves in a situation that was not comfortable for them. How many of us can relate to that? We are in a situation that may not feel comfortable for us. Let's note as well that they were struggling to see Jesus. So as Jesus starts walking towards them on the sea, at first they don't see, oh, it's Jesus, the person we've been spending loads of time with. It's not, oh, there is our master, there is our Lord, there is our our, our leader, our Messiah. There's none of that. The first thing they come to is, it's a ghost. And why? Of course, maybe it's because they were not expecting to see somebody walking on water and that their mind went straight to a logical, or what they felt was a logical explanation. Another reason may be because of fear. And sometimes fear grips our hearts, sometimes fear grips our minds, and it distracts us from what the reality is right in front of us. Rather than what is plausible or to be expected, we run to different theories and different ideas and it can send us into a state of confusion. What else is interesting is to note this. 
is that it says that all of them called him a ghost. And that's interesting because we don't know whether one disciple said it first and then the others saw it and, and agreed or whether they all saw it together and came to the same conclusion. It may have been a crowd, a group thought, but it may have been influenced by one person seeing something and that one person influencing their, their sphere. And that's why it's very important for us to make sure that when we're articulating things, when we're speaking things, especially when we're talking from the Bible, that we're talking from a place of truth and a place of of being well-educated and well-informed, rather than just spouting off information that we've heard that sounds good or sounds witty or sounds like it could be true. It's important to note that in Mark 6, verse 48, that the Bible says Jesus saw that they were struggling He saw they were struggling and he then walked on the turbulent waters. And that's important as well, that he didn't just walk on a still and calm sea, but he walked on turbulent waters. Walking on water wasn't just enough. He had to walk on water that was unsteady and and difficult to do so, even though it's impossible. And we see this time and time again where Jesus not only does the impossible, but he does it in a time where the impossible seems even less possible, if that's even possible. He walks and not runs. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus ran on water or he hurried on water, but he walked. There was no panic. There was no need to be, to be fearful or concerned because he is in total control. The God that we serve, the Lord, the Messiah that we serve in Jesus is in total control. Even though we are not, even though we are concerned sometimes, he is in total control. He walks and not runs because people in position, people of power, people of influence never need to run. If you think back to five years or so ago, you'd see President Obama and you'd see him just walking, just strolling wherever he was going. His aides would be running around him. His aides would be trying to make sure things were sorted. He didn't have to worry about any of that because he knew that because of his position, because of his power, because of his authority, things will be sorted for him. And we find the same in, a, in, a, in a, a greater way with Jesus. He didn't have to be concerned because he knew he was in control. So as I said, at first they thought, they thought it was a ghost. And I said, fear can cause us to be confused or misread the information. Now Jesus hears their concerns and responds. This is the all-powerful Jesus. This is the, the Lord that knew they were going to say something silly and foolish and he could have corrected them or chastised them, but he just said, take heart, relax, be comforted. It's me. And Peter's the one that we see respond and we see Peter on the front foot as always and he responds from a position of trust. And he says, Lord, there's the respect. Lord, if you command me, tell me to come. That's trust. I believe in you. Let me know what I ought to do and I'll do it. And Jesus said, come. Now, how many of us have been in a situation where we've prayed something and said, God, if you do this, I will do this. So we said to people, if you do this for me, don't worry, you can trust me. But Peter's not only, Peter's words weren't cheap. Peter backed up what he said. He said, listen, listen. You said to come, I'm going to come. I'm going to climb out of this boat, still in turbulent times. 
Because Jesus has told me to do it, I can do it. And he steps out the boat. We often focus on, G- on Peter, the next part of the, of the story, um, he was struggling. But let's focus on the fact that he had the boldness to come when Jesus called him. But the Bible does say that he saw the wind. Now, obviously, he didn't see the wind. He saw the effect of the wind. He saw the effect of his environment. He looked around and saw how things were. And how the fact that they'd been been troubled by the wind just a few moments ago. They were struggling before a moment of their past had got back to them. And he's saying, I remember this situation. It wasn't comfortable for me. He became afraid. And it's understandable. He was walking on water in turbulent times with wind and all the things that had afflicted him previously. But he became afraid. And when he became afraid, he began to sink. Now, Jesus doesn't walk off. Jesus does as Jesus always does, and he comes and saves. And he saves him and and rescues him from that situation. And then Jesus gets back into the boat, or gets into the boat with Peter and the disciples. Why did Jesus get back in the boat? He could have carried on the walk across the sea. He could have carried on having a leisurely stroll, but he chose to get back in the boat. And I believe that it was for them and not for him. So he got in the boat and Matthew says that immediately the bad weather stopped. And John says that immediately that they were at land. And in both situations, what we see is the moment Jesus is in the boat, the environment, the situations, the problems cease. When Jesus is in the boat, the issue we faced can no longer exist. Peace must reign. See, Peter had forgotten that Jesus had just fed the thousands. He had just forgotten the the power that he'd witnessed from Jesus and all the other miracles Jesus had had done and, and conducted. And instead, he rested upon the negative moments of the past. How often do we do the exact same thing? How often do we focus on our past situations and the, tr- the times that we've struggled and the times that we've struggled to overcome and we hold onto that? Even though we've prayed to God and God has, has proven himself time and time and time again as a liberator, as a promise keeper, as a God that is there to, to rescue us in our times of need, he has proven us countless times that we can depend upon him. Instead of holding on to that, we often hold on to the journey where we struggled or the times we didn't get the outcome we wanted. We are often far too short-sighted. Just like the Israelites, we're not far from the Israelites. 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years on, we are still like the Israelites. The Lord led them out of captivity and they turned against him. The Lord led them to another victory, led them to another promise, and they turned against him. They were constantly forgetting the greatness and the might that that had been given to them by God. They were far too short-sighted. Peter was far too short-sighted. And we today, in 2021, are far too short-sighted. Let us hold on to the truth of God. Let us be a constant 
and calm and consistent voice in the midst of all the trials, in the midst of all the confusion, in the midst of all the, the panic and, and outrage, let us as Christians be that, that lone, consistent, calm voice presenting hope to each other and to the world. Let us remember that he is a promise-keeping God. He's a supportive God. He's a loving God. Let us keep in our mind the victory he's given us previously and believe he will do it again. Let's pray. Lord, Father God, you are great. You are wonderful and you are mighty. And Lord, I thank you for your word, the examples of countless times where people have struggled and yet still overcome. The time where Peter, one of his trusted disciples, struggled and and, and battled with disbelief and became afraid but was rescued by you. We thank you that you save us from our sins, but you also save us from ourselves and our environment and our situations. For all those who are listening to this message, who have taken time to listen to the podcast, Lord God, I pray that you give them the peace, Lord God. Allow them to be ambassadors of truth, ambassadors of your light, Lord God, to their family, to themselves also, but also to your children and your world. Your world. Allow us to remember the victories, Lord God, that you've given us and not be scared to share them. Bless us as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You've listened to the podcast and you want to start or renew your relationship with Jesus Christ. First of all, may I congratulate you. You've made the best decision you could ever make. There are three easy steps. Number one, ask for forgiveness. There'll be a prayer at the end of this for you to say, if you're not sure how to say it. Number two, believe that your prayer has been heard and it's been answered by God. Number three, confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord. That too will be in the prayer. After the prayer, there'll be some contact details for you to use. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, loving, gentle, caring and kind, you gave your life for me. As a sinner, I come to you. Please forgive me, Lord, of every sin I have ever done. Things I have said, evil thoughts I've had and things that I did to make you unhappy. Lord, I invite you now to take control of my life, that I may be the person you want me to be and the person you created me to be. I believe your words, that your blood at the cross washed away all my sins and has cleansed me and set me free so that I can live with you eternally. Thank you, Lord, for loving me and for dying for me. I thank you for cleansing me and setting me free. I love you, Lord, and confess that you are my Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you've said that prayer and believe it, welcome into the family of God. You are now a born-again Christian. I celebrate with you that you've decided to follow Jesus. 
Here are some contact details for you to contact us if you need help or support during this time. Looking forward to meeting with you. Take care, keep safe and keep well. God bless. There is a name that's a place I can run and be saved. There is a name that can heal, calm my storm, peace be still. I will call on that name. Things will change Stand and proclaim There's no greater name than Jesus Jesus I will stand and proclaim
tell them again. It works. It works. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The name heals all. Christian. Have you been thinking about taking membership at New Testament Church of God? 
Are you a seasoned Christian with a heart to disciple others? Why not join our new intake of relational discipleship? Starting mid-February 2021, Sunday mornings at 11am. The cost of the course book is £23.75. For more information, please contact info at ntcgharvesttemple.org.uk. Thank you.